be honest, she gets a lot of crap from Republicans right now. I mean, when we posted our story about her last week, immediately I had people kind of on there being like, you're a Democrat scum in response, you know, to Kim, to Kim Wyman. Hey, welcome to Crosscut Talks. I'm Mark Baumgarten, the managing editor at Crosscut. And this week I'm speaking with Melissa Santos. Melissa is the politics reporter at Crosscut and has been busy lately covering the results of this month's general election. And some of her most interesting reporting has been about Republicans in the state. Now, the GOP has not seen success at the state level in a while. It's been decades since Washington elected a Republican governor or senator and generations since it supported a Republican for president. And the state legislature has been firmly in Democratic control for years. The one bright spot for the party has been the office of the Secretary of State, which it held on to this year again when Kim Wyman was reelected to her third term. Wyman has become something of a household name. In the run-up to the election, she was a staunch defender of vote-by-mail, which has been the main system in Washington since 2011. And since the election, she's been critical of the president's unsupported claims of voter fraud. So in the election, she outperformed the president in the state by 13 points and the Republican candidate for governor by 10 points. And now she's the only Republican statewide elected official on the West Coast of the lower 48, which obviously does not include Alaska. I wanted to talk to Melissa about Wyman, her place in the party, and what her continued success could mean for the party. So, Melissa, welcome to Crosscut Talks. Hey, good to be here. So, first, Melissa, because we're going to be talking about this role quite a bit in this conversation, I was wondering if you could tell us what exactly are the duties of the Secretary of State in Washington State? Yeah, I think when people hear it, they think of foreign policy because at the national level, that's what it is. That is not what it is in Washington state. You know, the main thing they do is elections. They are the state's chief election official. Um, And they also register corporations and do some historical kind of archive stuff. But the biggest part of their job, I would say, is running elections. This office has been held by a Republican since 1964 which is a crazy streak. I I was just, I thought that that was a typo when I read it. Mm -mm. Why do Washingtonians like their secretaries of state Republican? You know, it's, I actually talked to Democrats about this and it, it, it was really interesting that after the election, I feel like I got some really honest responses from Democrats. And one of the things mm. they said is when they talked to voters, you know, even in King County, you know, this democratic epicenter of the state, they, they hear that, there, you know, voters here kind of like the idea of having some partisan balance in some office somewhere, you know, off to the side at least, right? And so for right. a lot of people, that is the Secretary of State office. And you'll hear this, you know, historically, Washington voters have prided themselves on being independent and splitting tickets and stuff. However, we don't actually see that happening much anymore, except right. for Kim Wyman, just Secretary of State's office. And so I think that past secretaries of state, and then Wyman as well, have kind of uh, not just followed whatever the whim of their party is. You saw that even with the previous secretary of state, Sam Reed, who was a Republican, during this, you know, gosh, really close election in 2004 Mm -hmm. with Gregor and Rossi, he didn't just say, Rossi's a Republican, and I'm going to 
make sure the recount proceedings and everything kind of go his way. He really resisted that. And so I think Democrats have seen Republicans act in a nonpartisan way in that role. And so they're willing to continue that. And Wyman's been doing that as well by criticizing the president on a regular basis. It's interesting to see as the president puts forth these unfounded claims of fraud, there are all these lawsuits, and, and secretaries of state start becoming, you know, national figures. Is, is Wyman unique in the way that she approaches her job? Wyman is unique, I think, because of her role in our vote by mail system. You know, with this pandemic, all these states were saying, whoa, 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 we, we got to have people go to the polls during a pandemic. How is this going to work? So they all started to try and ramp up voting by mail. And Washington state has been completely vote by mail since 2011. And right. Wyman was elected in 2012. So she's really kind of overseen the refinements of that system. And she's been taking on a bigger role, I think, than other secretaries of state in sort of being an evangelist for mail-in voting around the country. So in that respect, she is unique. And that has been a very public role she has had countering Republican talking points at the federal level and from the president saying vote by mail is bad and leads to fraud. Hmm. Okay. Now I want to get a sense of who Kim Wyman is as a political figure. So I'd like to start with something very basic. Why is Kim Wyman a Republican? So I actually asked her this, and it's so interesting that um, I've been covering her for a while, and I've never really had the occasion to ask her questions that you ask like a normal candidate for governor or something, Hmm. because she does elections, and I only talk to her about elections. But in this case, I did ask her, have you thought about leaving the Republican Party? We have seen some Republicans decide to be independent and such when they do disagree with the president. Hmm. And you know what she said to me is she really... She sort of wants to be the the good you want to see in the world as far as the Republican Party. She didn't go as far to criticize, you know, other Republicans broadly in other states, like other secretaries of state. But she told me twice now, kind of saying, I go to meet with Republican partisan groups sometimes to tell them that they're wrong about mail-in voting or, you know, that this is how it works in our state. And it doesn't match some of the things you're saying publicly. When she became a Republican, it was all about Ronald Reagan and, you know, sort of kind of being excited about his candidacy in 1980. And she's just Hmm. and she wants to see the party be more like that and less like what it's become now. And so she doesn't have any intention of leaving the party right now. I think she does disagree with some some things like certainly some Republicans who oppose gay marriage. That's not her view at all. She's been very public in her support about gay married couples. And it just hasn't been enough to push her to leave the party at this Hmm. point. Is that the only place where she breaks from Republican orthodoxy as far as being a, a Reagan Republican goes? This is a bit hard because I, I actually realized again when I was reporting her, about her, not just elections, I'd never asked her about her views on abortion. Never have asked her in six years. I was like, wow, all right, I should ask her that. And um, I've been told by other people she is pro-choice. She would not say that on the record to me for my story. She said, you know, I try not to take a stance on these social issues because there's ballot measures that come to my office that I have to then certify the signatures. And social issues tend to be the big things that that tend to be the subject of ballot measures. And I don't want anyone to think I'm tipping the scales. So in one direction or another. Now, that could be seen as a total cop out. Right. So I think there are other ways, um, certainly in her willingness to break from the president on elections. She's definitely uh, a bit different from a lot of members of the party. Although I think in Washington, we have some more independent minded Republicans like that. So we've seen a lot of Republicans, really the mainstream of the party, supporting Trump's claims of widespread voter fraud. But 
Wyman's been on the other end of this, like you said. And in the months before the election, she was defending mail-in balloting. And in the weeks since, she's been speaking out against the president's uh, unfounded claims. In your conversations with her, has she revealed what she thinks about the party right now? I think she is a little bit shy about being really direct in her criticism of the party currently. And that's a criticism that Democrats have leveled against her saying she's not nonpartisan. She doesn't bash the Republicans in the head all the time over this stuff. So, I mean, I I find her to say statements that are more oblique, saying, I really want us to get back to those values, which implies, yeah, you've gotten away from them. But, you know, then when you ask, are you disappointed then in in what your party is saying today? She'll talk about specific instances like the voter fraud issue and that it, it just undermining confidence in our elections is terrible for democracy and things like that. But to be honest, she gets a lot of crap from Republicans right now. I mean, when we posted our story about her last week, immediately I had people kind of on there being like, you're a Democrat scum in response, you know, to Kim, to Kim Wyman. I think it's a delicate balance for Republicans who do disagree with their party right now because they get a lot of vitriol when they do criticize the president, even for the limited amount, you know, in the minds of Democrats that Wyman has done. She she gets a lot of blowback from really based Republicans who are the supporters of the president. So hmm. they kind of have to walk a tightrope on that. So I don't think she's been super overt in saying, these are all the ways in which my party needs to change. Um, but she has expressed dissatisfaction with some of the things that are coming out of the top of the party. Hmm. But what about party leaders in this state? What do they think about her? I think they see her as a model for how Republicans should be in our state to some extent. Um, I mean, you could say this about, I suppose, the Democratic side too, but certainly in Washington state on the Republican side right now, there really is a, I think, a a reckoning and a crisis (laughs) that's happening between sort of the establishment Republican system and sort of the uh, populist part that voted for Lauren Culp, this um, their candidate, the Republican candidate for governor this year, who uh, is kind of a, is a huge Trump supporter and also you know has made his name about not enforcing voter approved laws on guns. So right. you know that's a more fringe candidate for the state Republican Party, and he lost you know fairly badly. He did he didn't do as badly as he could have, but he did lose badly, winning forty three percent. The uh, GOP chair even said we need to kind of do a reassessment, like we need to have a reckoning now after losing the governor's race again and again and again. But they like Wyman in that, you know, and they point to her as a sign of success. They, I think, are considering her as a candidate for governor. I, I actually do know she was asked this year if she would run and she decided to not run for governor and run for reelection. So the party leaders are all about Kim Wyman and they, they point to her as, you know, a, a model for other Republicans to follow statewide. So you consider this idea of Kim Wyman as the gubernatorial candidate for 2024. The Secretary of State's office is kind of the most apolitical office that you could run for. Is that why Kim Wyman can win? And then once she comes out, even if she is, you know, a more moderate Republican, wouldn't it be much more difficult for her to win statewide office if she all of a sudden has to speak to the social issues and um, and take positions? Where's she at on that? And how do these Republican leaders really negotiate that idea? 
Yeah, I think it'd be harder for it to translate over. And certainly some of the academics I talked to thought, you know, when it's a nonpartisan position, Washingtonians are fine saying, see, 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 I voted for a Republican, you know, in this position. But then once it's a really heavy policy position where you're involved in crafting legislation all the time that affects every layer of life in Washington state, that's a harder sell for Democrats to vote for a Republican, even a moderate one. So, yeah. I think it would be hard for her to win, but she may be able to get more percentage points than the other Republicans they are thinking about running. Right. How did Lauren Culp become the candidate for governor if the party recognizes Kim Wyman as being a model? Three people said no, basically. One of them was Kim. The other was Bruce Dammeyer in um, Pierce County. He's the Pierce County executive. And he's also viewed as a more moderate force. When he was in the legislature, he brokered some deals, you know, on education and other issues as a state senator between Democrats and Republicans. Mm -hmm. J.T. Wilcox, the state House minority leader, who is a big fan of Kim Wyman as well, um, he also said no. So basically, they had three people they were thinking about, and they all said no. So then they didn't really rally around anyone as a candidate, Republicans, this year in Washington state. So they had a primary where there were 35 people challenging Jay Inslee. And, you know, at least five or six of them were really serious candidates, you know, really trying to get the nomination. Yeah, I mean, Tim Iman, the initiative promoter who's on trial right now for campaign finance violations, was in the mix, you know, and there were there were there was a bunch of people really vying for it. And that sort of split the vote, too. Right. There was no one early on that Republicans said, this is the person we should put forth. And that's how you ended up with Lauren Culp, who he only won the one by like 17 percent of the vote in the primary. And he still went right. on to become the Republican, you know, who was running against Jay Inslee, the incumbent. So. There was no coalescing around a candidate. And that's how we ended up with a fringier candidate this year. So is the party in a state of disarray? I mean, we always the, the, the criticism of media is always they're always saying Democrats are in disarray. But yeah, Republicans in Washington state are in total disarray because they've lost their strongholds. Right. So they mm. used to be able to win in uh, East King County suburbs and South King County suburbs, too. You know, Federal Way area had, you know, used to have Republican representatives and senators in the legislature right. pretty regularly. Anyway, so in King County, there is like, it's like a Republican wasteland. You have basically no King County Republicans left except for people who represent, you know, some a district that crosses county lines. And so they're having to find uh, different places to win. And the only way they I, I see a path for them to win statewide is if they can win some of the rural working class white areas that previously, you know, went Democratic in Western Washington, outside of Seattle, outside mm -hmm. of King County, places on the Olympic Peninsula are getting more red. And we've seen areas around Longview into Aberdeen kind of go Republican in legislative races and the presidential races the last two cycles that previously were Democratic. But you need more than just, you know, a few areas like that. They yeah. need to be able to do that else other places. And I'm just not sure how the math works for them now, unless something dramatically changes. So Lauren Culp mimicked a lot of what the president has done. You know, he gave a nickname to Jay Inslee. He put up billboards that were maybe a little insulting to his opponent. He is uh, not conceding. He, he really is using the Donald Trump blueprint. 
Um, and he got 43% of the vote, I believe, was the um, was where he ended up. Is the state party concerned about the Trump base not coming along? You know, they're they're trying to thread a needle here, right? Are there people in the party who just are not going to, to show up for somebody who is not running the the Trump playbook, especially if you have Donald Trump as a major player in the National Party and maybe on another presidential ticket in 2024? I do think that's a problem for the state Republican Party because not everyone likes this sort of moderate Republican figure, not everyone, and certainly not some people who feel really um, disenfranchised by sort of the Democratic leaders in our state, especially right. in some of those in areas that were maybe um, had some of their industry disrupted by environmental regulations over the last 30 years or so, you know, those places that maybe were Democratic I think they want an anti-government message. And that's not really something you necessarily get from the Republican establishment in Washington state all the time. Maybe anti-government spending, but not like anti-all government institutions, right? I think there's a, a split there that's going to be hard to navigate. And I, and I do see it, like, for instance, in Kim Wyman being very careful in her criticism of the party. I think she is trying to avoid avoid inflaming and angering some parts of the Republican base. I see it from other moderate, sort of more moderate Republicans as well. You know, when I've even asked um, about them getting, you know, threatened and things by, you know, people who are kind of really on the fringe. I mean, I'm not talking about just people who like Trump, but, you know, militia movement folks and stuff like that. You know, they right. don't really want to talk about it on the record because they they don't want to sort of feed that ire even more, you know? So it's it's a delicate thing they're dealing with, especially if you're a Republican moderate in our state. You know, we've got uh, a, what's going to be a pretty intense legislative session coming up. We're, we still have to get through this period of transition where the president continues to put out these false claims. And at some point, Republican Party members are going to have to decide to to peel off or to go to the mat for him. What are you looking for in the next year to understand what direction the Republican Party in Washington state is going? Do they kind of bring those Culp supporters into the fold? Like, do they decide, hey, that guy got 43 percent with like zero establishment support, basically? Maybe that's the direction we should be going. I mean, I don't think we know what the reckoning looks like right now. There certainly are plenty of people saying we need to be more moderate. Oh, my God, this is not working for us. But at the same time, there's plenty of people who are saying, well, those moderates haven't been winning either lately, you guys. So why not try something different? And that's what we saw sort of on the in the big, big batch of Republican candidates this year. So I think the Republican Party faces a choice. Hmm. I guess I'll be watching to see if... Um, Republicans in the legislature, what they kind of do in response to Jay Inslee's sort of mandates on COVID, um, because that was a huge rallying point for Culp supporters in the governor's race is saying, you know, he's a tyrant, he's a dictator. They think lots of people called him Hitler. I mean, is the party waiting for someone to take hold and to really push it? Or do you do you know who the person is who's going to ultimately make that decision about what direction the party's going? To some extent, one of the issues I think that Republicans have is some of their most influential members don't have a lot of statewide clout because they haven't run statewide. So again, J.T. Wilcox, the House Minority Leader, I think he's going to be the one to thread that needle and say, okay, 
we need business help. We can't just completely destroy our economy. But also COVID is real. Uh, actually, he had COVID this year, so he knows it's mm. real, right? So mm-hmm. he'll probably play a huge role, JT Wilcox, that is, in kind of figuring out what the Republicans' message is on this. And again, he's maybe one of the people they're trying to recruit to run for governor. He's kind of like, I don't know if I'm going to, I don't know if I'll ever do that. But that's what everyone says, too, at this point. And so coming back to Kim Wyman, um, do you think that she'll run in 2024? She said that she has thought about it in the past. It's not like she's outright rejected it. So these are the kind of answers you get from someone who is considering it, but doesn't want to commit themselves to anything, wants to look at all the numbers, see where things are at in two years. And one reason I think they're reluctant is because no one wants to lose an election, right? I mean, this year, kind of one reason I think no one stepped up is it's like, do I want to be the sacrificial lamb to like lose on a year where Trump's on the ballot for re-election and we know Washington voters are going to reject him? And then am I just going to prostrate myself for the good of the party? Is that really what I want to do right now? Or can I do better stuff elsewhere? In 2024, though, you know, if, I think there is a possibility, and I, I kind of sense this when I talk to some of these folks, I sense that there is a sort of a tug of feeling like I do want to not have the person at the top of the ticket at the state level be someone that I don't think represents our party well. So I think that's a, a something, a little tug of war they might have to do there and say, okay, even if I end up losing because it's likely I'm going to lose, Republicans generally lose the governorship, is it worth me sort of helping rebrand our party by being the Republican candidate? And so that's kind of one of the decisions they're facing. Again, there is an off chance that Kim Wyman could maybe pull it out, pull a win out, but I don't, I think it's, it's very unlikely, right? So yeah, it's hard to commit to a huge, grueling race knowing you're going to lose, right? Right. So um, that's a lot of what they're thinking about. Is it, you know, kind of restoring pride in the party and then taking a bruising loss and a bruising campaign? Or like just saying, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing with less, you know, less drama and less, less uh, publicity. All right. That's Melissa Santos. She covers politics for CrossCut, and you can read her work at CrossCut.com. Melissa, thank you so much for coming on the show this week. Hey, thanks for having this conversation. And that's it for this week's episode. Thanks again to Melissa for coming on the show this week. The episode was engineered by Resty Bacall and produced by Jake Newman. You can subscribe to Crosscut Talks on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. For more on the Crosscut Talks podcast, go to crosscut.com talks. And if you like the show, please review us. It really helps other people find us. For the latest political, environmental, and culture news from the Pacific Northwest, visit crosscut.com. Crosscut Talks is a product of Cascade Public Media. I'm Mark Baumgarten. We'll be back next week with another episode.